0: Man, what a what a God we have, amen. If our God is for us, then nothing can stand against us. Hey, two quick commercials uh, before the message. Just again, next week begins our summer of one uh, message series, one service at ten fifteen, and uh, we're going to be studying the one and other passages. I covet your prayers. Um, this is going to be an incredible message series that describes the core values of God's family. No matter what our family origin, no matter what we think, there's a certain way that God's family is to operate, and, and uh, God's going to move in powerful ways. so I just covet your prayers as we kick off that series. And I also want to introduce to you something new. Um, it's called the 10-Week Challenge. And before I tell you what it is, I, I, I want to read a verse um, we read this week, and our faith comes from hearing, Luke chapter 21. While Jesus was in the temple, he watched the rich people dropping their gifts in the collection box. Uh, Then a poor widow came by and dropped in two small coins. Uh, I tell you the truth, Jesus said this woman has given more than all the rest, for they have given a tiny part of their surplus, but she, poor as she is, has given everything that she has. Uh, They gave out their surplus. It didn't really hurt them. They had extra stuff. And uh, what we're going to do during our Summer One series, we're going to take commitments for a 10-week challenge. Sometimes in the summer, giving goes down. That's just the reality of it. And we don't want to see our... Our, our ministries hindered in any way, and so we're asking people to make a 10-week challenge that, hey, I'll give 20 bucks a week more uh, during that 10 weeks. You know, if, if 50 giving units give 20 bucks a week, that's a grand a week. I don't know about you, I can't give $1,000 extra every week. You know, I can come up with 20, I can come up with 10, right, if we do this. And again, this is just to make sure our ministries aren't hindered and, uh, and to challenge you, even now, you know, are you giving only out of your surplus, Right. You still can do all the things you want to do. Hey, I got extra money. Or are you actually giving and it actually costs you something, right? And so on next week, we're going to take our commitment to say, I'm going to give this much over the next 10 weeks. You don't have to do this, but I guarantee you, anytime you sacrifice for God, you give up a few combo meals, uh, you give out going to the movies a few times and stuff like that, you'll be blessed because you're giving to Him. All right? Hey, today is Father's Day uh, 2017. and Happy Father's Day to all the dads there. This morning, and uh, um, my goal this morning is really twofold. First and foremost, uh, I want to honor our heavenly Father. Uh, I mean, He is such a good, good Father. Amen. Amen. I mean, He is perfect in all of His ways, and He is so, so good to us. I mean, could you imagine living life uh, without God as your heavenly dad. I sure couldn't. So we want to honor him this morning and say Happy Father's Day to him by our tentativeness to his word and our engagement in worship. And second, I want to honor, encourage, and challenge every dad out there in this room. When I say dads, I mean dads, stepdads, adopted dads, foster dads. And I want to challenge you to live out more fully this radical, awesome, empowering, most of the time intimidating call to dadhood. Now, this will be the final message in our series, Family Matters, a series where we've uncovered timeless uh, truths and principles and and met several biblical families that have taught us invaluable lessons and practical steps about how, when it comes to your family and what it should look like, you begin with God and what God's Word says, Uh, about being single and finding your soulmate, about ingredients that if you put them into your family, they are guaranteed. work, about the four keys to successful parenting, about what to do when things aren't going so well in your marriage, uh, about how to deal with conflict in the family in a god honoring and and God-restoring kind of way, about faith in the family, how how faith in the family is about leaving where you are. It's about living out what you believe. It's about looking beyond the here and now. It's about leaning on God's awesome promises and, and about learning the cost of following Jesus, and about, and we learned about praying desperate prayers, like Hannah did, when your family's facing real problems, and today we wrap it all up by talking about being an intentional dad. And and here's the deal, and, and this deal's for real. If we, if you, if I, begin to put these truths into practice, they will help our families become better, become what God intends for them to be. Get it? I, I want to read a few pe- passages. Now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. I, I mean, do you want your family blessed? You want your marriage blessed? Uh, you want your parenting blessed? Then you know these things, right? And Then do them, right? I mean, why on earth wouldn't we do things so that God could bless our families? James put it this way. The one who looks into the perfect law, that would be God's word, the law of liberty and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he'll be what? He'll be blessed in his doing. And Jesus concluded that great sermon on the mountain by the Sea of Galilee with these words here. We know these words, but really think about your family, think about your marriage, think about your parenting, and think about the things that you know that God has told you to do, not just in this series, but you've known for a long time. Anyone who listens to my teachings and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it's built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it, it's foolish. Like a person who builds his house on sand, when the rains and floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. Father God, we humbly come into your presence. God, there is no one like you. Happy, happy, happy Father's Day to you. The awesome Father, the perfect Father, our loving Father. And God, I pray that you'll be in this room right now. God, I pray that we open our hearts and minds to you. God, I pray that we honor you on Father's Day by being alive and active in our engagement to your word, listening for your voice. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, this week I was on a website. Um, it, it was called "The Truth About Being a Dad," according to 13 really funny famous guys. Uh, Jim Gaffigan on how a kids' songs should really go. There should be a children's song: If you're happy and you know it, keep it to yourself and let your dad sleep. <laughs> we got uh, Ray Romano uh, about the truth. Truth: Having children is like living in a frat house. Nobody sleeps. Everything's broken, and there's a lot of throwing up. <laughs> Uh, Louis C.K. on how simple dadhood should be. This is really good. Be a dad. Don't be mom's assistants. assistant. That's depressing. Just waiting for her to write you a list, walking around a grocery store staring at it, calling her from the cereal aisle to make sure you got the right thing. Be a man. Make your own list. Fathers have skills that they never use at home. You run a landscaping business and you can't dress and feed a four-year-old? Take it on. Spend time with your kids and have your own ideas about what they need. It won't take away your manhood. It will give it to you. I did that. I spent more time with my kids, and I found out that I'm a pretty bad father. I make a lot of mistakes. I don't know what I'm doing, but my kids love me. Go figure. Chris Rock, the truth. When I hear people talk about juggling or sacrifices they make for their children, I look at them like they're crazy, because sacrifice infers that there's something better to do than being with your children. Stephen Colbert, on yelling, my daughter said, why are you yelling at us? And I said, I'm trying to discipline you. Then she looked up at me with tear-stained eyes and said, this is how you teach your children, by making them cry? <laughs> it, it, it was such a clenching reminder. She, she won not only the argument, but she won life with that statement. I just burst out laughing, and I think they were so surprised that I burst out laughing that they did too. That Mike Myers, and the only thing you need to know, having a kid is like falling in love for the first time when you're 12, but every day. Your dads are pretty awesome. They're a breed of their own. And, and, and though not easy by any stretch of the imagination, being a good dad is a very powerful and has a measurable potential. However, as every dad in this room knows, being a good dad is not simply going to happen by accident. And said, dads, if we want to be a good dad, if we want to take our dadhood to the next level, we will have to be very intentional about it. And in case you don't know what the word intentional means, here's a definition for us intentional, designed, planned, done with intention and purpose. Uh, Understand, some things are not just going to happen by accident, right? We have to be intentional about it. I mean, no one loses weight, pays off debt, gets in shape, earns that degree, has a great marriage by accident, right? No, it takes intentionality, which is why this morning I want to talk about being an intentional dad. Because intentional dads get it done. And you know what? I, I see some dads doing just that at the Grove, getting it done. No, not perfectly. But I see some dads who are striving to be the dad that God wants them to be. Yeah, I've noticed. Your family noticed. And God has noticed. Keep doing what you're doing. Keep pressing on towards that goal. Yesterday, I, I want to talk about being an intentional dad. But before we go there, I, I want to say four quick things. Number one. Dads, be positive about being a dad and about the difference that you can make and we're actually designed to make in the life of your kids. Number two, be realistic. Don't be overwhelmed by what you're not doing. Rather, focus on some small steps that you can intentionally begin taking this week. And listen, over time, those small steps that you take will lead to one huge impact. Amen? Number three, be determined. I mean, really dedicate yourself to the privilege and responsibility of fathering. Make it, make being an intentional dad one of your top priorities. Number four, be hopeful. Be hopeful that you can become the dad that you want to be, that you can become the dad that your family needs, that you can become the dad you were created to be. Why? Because you really can. And listen, dads, this is so not all on you. Listen, God the Father is really in your corner on this one. And dads, when you look to your future, you look to the coming weeks and months and days of being a dad, keep these verses, and the dad that you want to be and hope to be, keep these verses in mind, because maybe it seems impossible. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. All right, let's do this. Our text is found in First Thessalonians chapter 2. 2,000-year-old 2, God-breathed words that God wants to speak to each one in this room if we would only have ears to hear. Now, Paul started this church during the second missionary journey. We read about it in Acts chapter 17. He couldn't stay there very long because only about three weeks because his great ministry success was met by opposition. However, he was still ministering just down the road in Corinth, and Paul's like freaking out, wondering what is going on back with these new believers back in Thessalonica. So he sent his partner, Timothy, back to check out to see how things were going. And he found out, man, things are going really well back there. In response to that, Paul wrote the letter that we have in our Bible, 1 Thessalonians. And he concludes it with these words, I command you in the name of the Lord to read this letter to all Christians, right? Right? Now, when Paul wrote these verses, he, was, he, he wasn't writing about fatherhood. He was talking about the kind of leader that he was with them. Nevertheless, what Paul writes is exactly what we need to do to be an intentional dad. What I want us to do is to read that verse together. You guys would stand up, kind of a show of honor and respect for God's word. And a count of three, we will read together, okay? And I'm not sure to count the three. Right, sometimes I say count to three and I start off, right? If you're visiting, I'm really not well. Okay, amen. One, two, three. We loved you so much that we shared with you not only God's good news, but our own lives too. Surely you remember, brothers and sisters, our toil and hardship. We work night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preach the Gospel of God to you. You are witnesses, and so is God, of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you who believed. For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God, who calls you into his kingdom and glory. Amen. May God bless the reading of his word. Number one, being an intentional dad means walking with God. Paul says, surely you remember, brothers and sisters, our toil and hardships. We work night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preach the gospel of God to you. You are witnesses and so is God of how holy and righteous and blameless we were among you who believed. And understand, walking with God is what Paul is referring to when he uses words like, holy and and righteous and blameless and listen dads and everyone in this room for that matter walking with God is most definitely something that will not just happen by accident I mean the chances of you simply waking up in the morning and finding yourself mature in your faith is about as likely as the San Diego Padres winning the World Series I mean do they even have a team right I didn't I didn't I know who to pick so I didn't insult anybody so if I insulted your team I'm sorry. Yeah, I apologize, but they haven't won one, got there twice, and they don't win a whole lot of games. You know what I'm saying it's not that God doesn't want us to walk with Him, He does. And in fact, one of the things that God did with Adam and Eve, right? We read in Genesis 3 is that God would walk with them in the morning. That is just nuts. Could you imagine a knock on your door? Hey, who is it? Hey, God. Uh, hey, you like to take a walk? Nah, I'm sleeping. Now nah, you're yeah, of course I do. But then came the tree, the fruit, the serpent, the lies, the bite, the sin, the fall. The result was that what was once natural and easy and just a normal part of life became difficult and unnatural and rare. Bottom line, Dad, in order to have a solid walk with God, you're going to have to really want it a lot. You're going to have to go after it with all you got. You're going to have to pursue it. With great passion. And dads, I think you know what it means to pursue something with passion. I mean, have you ever pursued a career, a a goal, a, a person, a hobby, a degree with great passion? Just a few words from God about passionately pursuing your walk with Him. Jeremiah 29 You will seek me and find me. When you seek me with all your heart, I will be found by you. Right? When you seek me with all your heart. You know, and it's not that God is playing a cosmic game of hide and seek right? Oh, no. It's just that there's something about who God is and who we are that we will not find God to the degree that he wants us to find him unless we want him more than we want anything else. And then God said this in Deuteronomy. Hear, Israel, the Lord our God is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you are to be upon your heart. And then Matthew 6, 33, Jesus said, by the way, one of the teachings that helps us build our lives on the rock, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he'll give you everything that you need. Okay, so what, what can a dad do, or what can anyone do for that matter, <clears throat> to intentionally improve their walk with God? Now, number one, this, all this stuff is going to surprise you, read the Word on a regular basis, right? Read the Bible on a regular basis. We put out something called Faith Comes From Here, and we've been doing it for like six years. Just a chapter a day, every day, and then you get to catch up on Sunday. I got some catching up to do this week. Pray on a regular basis. Attend church on a regular basis. Hang out with other guys who want to pursue and walk with God. And number five, take the EHS class when it's launched at the Grove. Emotionally healthy spirituality is coming to Maple Grove. Hopefully by this fall. I am, I, I'm beyond excited. I mean, I'm com, coming out of my shoes excited, right? About emotionally healthy spirituality. It, it, it's going to be incredible for our church, you know, because you cannot be spiritually mature if you're not emotionally healthy, right? And a lot of people are not emotionally healthy. And it's, it's going to be unbelievable, all right? Take that. And guys, I, I, was, I was driving in my car at the on this week, and, it, 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 and when I got out back into my car, it just came on, and Mark Batterson was being interviewed, and he said, hey, dads need to be more intentional. I go, whoa, that's kind of crazy. I'm talking about this on Sunday. And he just wrote a book. I haven't read the book yet, but Mark Batterson crushes every book that he writes, and he wrote a book called Play the Man. And I encourage you guys, check it out on Amazon. I'm going to buy it this week. It's about the seven virtues of manhood and about being a dad who intentionally disciples his kids. All right? You see, walking with God, it's the fuel to get in your dadhood on the right level. Jesus said this I'm the vine. You are what? You're the branches. Turn to the person next to you and say, You're a branch. You're a branch. Right? We got to remember who we are, right? We're not the vine, right? We're a branch. And those who remain in me and I in them will will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. You see, it's all in and it's all from this connection with God that everything flows in our lives, including our dadhood. I understand, dads, as we take our relationship with our Heavenly Father deeper, we will find that not only will we be more willing to be the dad we want to be, but we will literally be empowered to become that dad, right? Guaranteed, you know, and, and... you know what, sometimes it's the very fact that you're going to be a dad that makes you realize, I'd best be walking with God. Hey, check this little gem buried in Genesis chapter 5. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he became the father of Methuselah, okay? He's 65 years old. After he became the father of Methuselah, Enoch walked faithfully with God 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Enoch lived a total of 365 years, right? Are you doing a little math there? When did he start walking with God? When he became what? Became a dad. He says, you know what? I'm about to be a dad. I'm about to be a father. I'm not going to be able to do this without the Heavenly Father. Next, being an intentional dad means expressing our love. Now, Paul says to the church there, we love you so much. Now, in the Greek language in which Paul wrote, those words express an intensity of love that gives over and over again. Paul's saying, hey Amen. See, it's, it's so hard to put in words, but we just want you to know that we just love you so much. And you know, I, I think that's an important character trait for fathers because expressing love does not come naturally for a lot of guys. In fact, I'm convinced that's the reason the Bible tells men, love your wives, because we got to learn how to love. Very rarely does the Bible tell wives to love their husbands, that comes naturally Instead, the Bible says, hey, respect and submit to your husbands because that's a little bit harder to do. Uh, Again, most men have to learn how to express love. And and that is definitely true in the father and child relationship. I mean, it, like a lot of parenting stuff, does not come naturally to us. I mean, dads, you remember when you first brought home your first child, that little bundle of joy and how, how natural it was for your wife to hold that child? To change that child and, and the love on that child, and how uncomfortable you were—like you felt you were going to break her, right? You know, I'm like, how do I hold her? You know, I, her head's flopping around like this, you know, and, and, and it's like, well, wow, I'm really uncomfortable. But, but then eventually, you figure things out and you overcome your discomfort and you begin to express love to your child. But then you know what happens—they grow up, and just about the time you you, you get good expressing love, it all changes. And you find yourself getting uncomfortable all over again about expressing that love. Uh, a few years back, the cartoon strip, for better or worse, and, and these have these little comics and these things called newspapers, right? <laughs> newspapers. And in and, and, and this one, it shows the dad coming into the room where his teenage daughter was sitting on the couch watching a television show eating popcorn. So he decided to sit down on the other side of the couch with her, and grab some popcorn. And as he's sitting there, a thought bubble pops over his head, and he's thinking, I remember when Liz was little. We would snuggle up and watch TV together. Now look at her. She's all grown up, such a beautiful girl too. I wonder what you would think if I moved closer to her and I put my arm around her. But maybe she'd think it was wrong. Maybe she'd push me away. I don't know what to do. So he concludes that it's best not to do it. And he stays on his side of the couch, uncomfortable with the situation. And while he's thinking that, his daughter is thinking this, I wonder why my daddy never hugs me anymore. Here's the point. Dads, it's always good and always right to express our love to our kids, no matter the age. It's always good and it's always right to express our love to our kids, no matter the age. Get it? good (laughs) and listen as you think about expression love keep in mind the five love languages i'm just going to list them there's a great book by gary chapman it's a it's truth you may say "Ah, i'm tired of hearing about it well guess what it's true so you know people hear love in different ways some people feel love when you give them gifts some feel that they're loved by you when you give them quality time Uh, others need words of affirmation others acts of service and others' there's physical touch. I mean, do you know the love language of your kids? And what they would hear, not with you, right? You go like, well, I, I washed their car. know, <laughs> I changed the oil. They're like, I'm glad you did that, but that's not my love language. I really wish you would take me out to lunch, right? And so learn their love language. Next, being a intentional dad means proactive involvement. Paul says, we love you so much that we share with you not only God's good news, but our own lives too. Listen, become the dad that you want to be requires your involvement, requires you to share not only and address ideas, thoughts, facts, stuff, activities, even the gospel, but to share your life as well. And, And listen, to do that is a lot harder than it seems, right? Because we're busy, because we're pulled in so many different directions by so many different people, so many different things. Because at the end of the day, we're really tired and we just need a break from life, right? We want to tune it all out and just chill. And it'll take time, right? Which we don't have much of. Another reason is because we're selfish. In order to spend time with our kids, we're going to have to give up doing some things that that we wanted to do. Bottom line is dads being there, our involvement matters. And our not being there really hurts our kids. I remember seeing this played out a couple years ago when Gentile was in his baseball team, and they were in the championship game series, and there was one kid, he was the catcher, a really good ball player, and and, and every time he caught a pitch, he'd look around and sit in the sand to see if his dad was there, and he wasn't, right? Because he was usually there yelling at him to do better, and and he was a really good ball player. And, And each time he looked, his dad was there, his face became sadder and sadder, and he never did show up. I found out later that his dad was out playing golf. I guess he likes to play golf. Um, dads, our involvement being there matters. I mean, if you notice, any time you go to your kid's event, right, at school, what do they do? In the crowd, they scan. And as soon as they see, what do they do? They smile. A smile birthed in the truth that they know I matter. And dads, to become the dad we want to be requires that we become very intentional about our involvement which will mean that we may need to turn off the game, get off our laptop, get off our phone, get off our butt, right? It may mean that we have to do something that interests them, tell our friends, hey, you know what, I'll catch you next time you guys go out playing golf or whatever. Now, my studies for this conversation, I ran across this quote by Rick Warren. He says, I've noticed that in the last generation, the definition of successful parent has changed from spending time personally with your kids hanging out with your kids, to being an activities director for your kids. And and he says so much of what we do today is we we take our kids to places and we watch them interact in that personal time with other people. And he says there's nothing wrong with that, but it cannot be a substitute for our own personal time with our kids. I I, I just thought those words were worth chewing on. Again, dads, the goal today is not to beat anybody up, right? There's, there's no point in that. There's no value in that. No, the goal today is to ask a simple question, right? Right? It's to say, hey, what can I do this week and next and next? What can I do to become more involved in my child's life, right? What can you do? And then, then just do it, right? That's what we're about here at church, right? We look at God's Word. If it stings, we say, ouch, right? And then we do what it says. And God says, Way to go! As he sits in the stands watching our life, being an intentional dad means walking with God, expressing our love, proactive involvement, and using affirming words. For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting. And by the way, for any child in the room, don't use today's sermon as a scorecard for your dad. <laughs> oh, you got a—he ain't passing. Rather, use it as a template for you to pray for him. So that he can be the dad that he wants to be. Because this is a tough job. Understand, throughout the scripture, we we find God the Father encouraging his children. He encouraged Moses at the burning bush to go back and deliver his people. He encouraged Gideon and called him a mighty warrior when he felt like a a wimp, right? He felt like a little wimp. He didn't feel like a warrior at all. But God says, no, I see who you are. He, He encouraged Joshua with his presence, his assistance, and his words as Joshua set out to conquer the promised land. He says, this is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And God the Father encouraged Jesus at his baptism. This is my son whom I love. With him I'm well pleased. Brothers and sisters, that is the kind of father I want to be. A dad who encourages with his words, with his presence, and with his assistance. Uh, Understand, there's power in our words. And, 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 And words from a dad seem to carry more weight than the words from anyone else. Words are important. They can lift up or they can tear down. And listen, if anyone knows what kind of words lift up or tear down are our natural bent, it's probably our kids, right? Proverbs 12, 18 says, the words of the reckless pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise bring healing, right? Sometimes even if right after you pierce with the sword, right? Oh, I just pierced, okay? But you know what? I can say some words that will bring healing. Paul says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. Well, it was helpful for building, in our context, building your children up according to their needs, that it may benefit your children who are listening. Dads, let's commit or recommit to begin speaking more encouraging words to our kids rather than negative words which wound and discourage. Let's speak words that heal, words that strengthen. I love you. I believe in you. I'm proud of you. I I know you can do it. You you did a great job. You're awesome. I am so glad that God gave you you as my son or as my daughter. You are a precious gift. And they are. John Eldred says it like this. Your son or daughter, no matter how old, will always want and need to hear those words from you. These words from you. You have what it takes. You are worth fighting for. Dads, let your daughters know that you think they're beautiful That they're smart, that they're talented, that you believe in her. And dads, let your sons know that you think that they're capable, that they can accomplish anything, that you believe in him. I mean, dads, let's try to, let's try to catch them doing something right and commend them for it. And even in front of other people, if we can. You are my son. You are my daughter, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. And dad, Again, dads, what small step can you take this week to be intentional about speaking affirming words to your kids? And listen, when you do that, when you do that, when we do that, when we affirm and encourage and comfort, do you know what we become for our children? We become a refuge, a place of refuge. At the lowest point in his life, having been pursued and persecuted by the king, the father of his best friend, A former shepherd boy named David lived in hiding. He had been a national hero, but now he's in exile. He had been a member of the king's court, but now he sleeps in caves. He had been anointed as the first king, but now his future looks dark. He had mercifully spared the king's life, and that same king now seeks his. And understand, David's problems loomed so large that he felt like a man among lions. He trembled like a child among hungry beasts. Finally, he cried out to God. He cried out to his Father in heaven. Have mercy on me, O God. Have mercy on me, for in you my soul takes refuge. I will take refuge in the shadow of your wings until disaster is past. I'm going to hang out here until the storm is over. I'm in that root cellar. And within a few years, David became king, defeated his enemies, united a kingdom that was in turmoil, and won the respect and regard of the people. And how was all this accomplished? Well, David provides part of the answer in Psalm 18. I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge. He is my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold that's the kind of dad I want to be yeah and I I can't be almighty and I'm not all knowing and obviously I want my children to first and foremost turn to God nevertheless I still want to be a refuge I, I want my kids to know that there's always a safe place they can run to I want them to know that they can come to me for refuge I I, I want to be a refuge from the storms of life. I I want to be a refuge from the attacks of their peers. I I want to be a refuge of the pressures of adolescence, school and grades and friends and and just growing up. I I, I want to be a refuge in times of disappointment and pain and heartache and ridicule, insecurity, doubt and fear. I want to be a refuge. And, And I know that my being a refuge will require that I be alert and observant to my children's words and moods, moods, and to my own words and moods as well. And it'll mean that I'll have to develop refine the art of listening. I'm so bad at that. My family says amen. I don't even want to look to the left at my wife and some of my kids. I'll look this way, right? Being quick to listen, slow to correct, slow to reprimand, slow to instruct, slow to advise. And using affirming words, which will make me more approachable. And Father, I know that being a wretch will require my coming alongside my kids when they are in need, helping them, picking them up when they fall, defending them when they need someone to stand in the gap for them, and carrying them whenever necessary. Being intentional with that means walking with God, expressing our love, proactive involvement, using affirming words. And fifth, pursuing the primary purpose. And Listen. People of the United States of America, people of Albemarle County, okay, despite what our community and culture says, the number one pursuit for your kids, the primary pursuit is not to get them in a good college. It's not for them to have a great career. It's not for them to make the all-star sports team. It's not for them to have a high GPA. Those things are not wrong, but they are not the primary purpose. Do you hear what I'm saying? And sometimes, man, it looks so skewed. I got to just tell you. Sometimes I just got to wonder, man, what's more important to you? That they got into a great college? whoop do doo Where are they with God, right? Am I sounding harsh? I'm sorry. But that's not the primary purpose. If you don't agree with me, take it up with God. He says this: For you know that we dealt with each other as a father deals with his own children, urging you to make the all-star team, urging you to have the IGPA. No! urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. See, that's the primary purpose of a dad. That's my primary purpose. Through affirming words, through proactive involvement, through expressions of love, through my walking with God, to urge my kids to live a life worthy of God, a life on fire for Jesus. Paul says that this way, fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Physical training is good, he says. It's great they're excelling in sports, but training for godliness is much better, promising benefits in this life and the life to come. Dads, we cannot allow ourselves to be distracted by lesser things. We dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, urging you to live lives worthy of God. He calls you into his kingdom and glory. Now, the meaning of the Greek word that is translated urge is a form of the verb martirero, which means to bear witness The noun form is where we get our English word martyr. So how do we bear witness to our children to a life worthy of God? Again, the best way, dads, is by being an example of someone who's living a life that is worthy of God. Right? And Paul certainly did that for the church of Thessalonica, right? And for us as well. Bottom lines, dads, hear me. When we give our kids an up-close and personal example of what it means to live a life that is worthy of God, a life that is sold out to Jesus and his church, our children will be motivated to want that life also because a life worthy of God is a life worthy to live. A life worthy of God is life that is really living, right? You see that? I want that. It doesn't matter how. I want that. I want what Paul has. I want what my mom has. I want what my dad has. Get it? Good. Being attached with dad means walking with God, expressing our love, proactive involvement, using affirming words, and pursuing the primary purpose. What steps can you take? Not a huge leap. Just it's about progress, right? Not perfection. Progress, not perfection. A little better, right? You can't do it all in one day. I mean, how do you eat an elephant? Right? Well, you cook them, you barbecue them, you salt them, you know, like one bite at a time, right? Hey, fellow Jesus followers, you know what? You have a father who wants to walk with you. You have a father in heaven who continuously... It expresses his love to you and for you. You have a heavenly father who wants to be intimately involved in your life, every moment of your life, mountain high or valley low. You have a father who affirms you and empowers you with his word and with his spirit to live out your primary purpose, to live a life worthy of him, to, 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 live, to live a life, to live in a kingdom. I can never be shaken and they'll never end yeah. we have a good good father you know it wasn't necessarily planned when i was thinking through the song service but everything we've seen has been about god right first song opening song lost and wondered who god is are you kidding me right the awesome God you are right and then our god can right right you know our, our god water to the wine right he can raise you from the dead man there's no situation you can't do right and there's a, we're going to sing another song about our, our dad. You know, that it, how he's a good, good father. You know, and, and I don't want to get weird, but it's too late, right? <laughs> yeah, I was on a submarine too close to that reactor, right? I, got, I glow at night. Um, but, but, but here's the deal. You know, as we sing this song and, and, uh, about God's father, he's a good, good father. You know, and if you feel, you know, that, hey, you know what? I, I, I want to recommit my life to being a good dad, you know, just come up here and just sing. Just come up here and sing. That, that'll be that'll be that. You know what? I want to recommit. It's not saying you're a terrible dad. It's saying you're not perfect, and there's not a perfect dad in this room, right? And, and so, and if you're here, just a church person says, you know what? You know what? I love my dad. I love my heavenly father. You know, I got to tell you that this morning, I listened to the song, and I thought about my dad and, and, and I just started weeping about how much he loves me, that how he loves me when I'm unlovable, right? How he pursues me, right? How he picks me up when I fall, how he breathes life into my, and, and, and when I'm dry, how, how he brings water into the days when I'm so dry, you know? And I just wept thinking, Why, what? and I just said, you know what? And I'm hoping I'm able to do it. The day I just said, I, I want to give my dad a Father's Day present. I just want to rest the day in his love and his grace. And say happy Father's Day. I just rest day. And you just want to say, you know, I'm just resting in my father. Just just come up here in this this pit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> our mosh pit, right, today. <laughs> you know. And, and you don't have to do that. I'm not trying to be weird, but anyhow, let's sing.